0: Father in heaven, we thank you so much again for tonight. Thank you for the promise, Lord, when two or three are gathered in your name. There you are amongst us. And Lord, we know that you're here with us. Jesus, we pray and ask that you would speak tonight. That it would be the word of the Lord that would be spoken. And Father in heaven, we do pray for open hearts, receptive minds. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight's message is entitled, Prophecies Worship. Prophecies Worship. You're going to find out from scriptures there is a a prophetic worship. And it's going to be very interesting as you see this take place. uh, Friday night's message is entitled, Prophecies Waterfall. Prophecies Waterfall. So make sure you don't miss Friday night. It's going to be intense as well. We're coming right down to the end, folks. But I believe that in the last few days of this Bible Prophecy Seminar, God wants to really express and share some things that we need to understand for these times. Can you say amen to that? So let's take our Bible, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. There's a very interesting individual in the Bible, and his name is Elijah. His name is Elijah. And this individual is, is very, um, a very remarkable prophet. He was called by God. He has a mysterious origin and not very much is said about where this man came from. But he shows up on the scene and this individual begins to rebuke the king of Ahab. He begins to rebuke the king of Ahab because all of Israel had fallen into apostasy. And Elijah's message was none other than this, none other than this. And he answered and said, this was King Ahab speaking, I have not troubled Israel, or excuse me, Elijah. I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the what? Commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now pay attention to this. This is very interesting. This was the crux of Elijah's message. He was called to help restore the commandments of God that were lost during Israel's apostasy. He was called by God. And what's awesome about that is, as as Elijah began to give this message, all of Israel was revived by his message. But why is that important for us in these times? Because there is a very interesting prophecy given in Scripture about Elijah. Watch this. Found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, the very last book of the Old Testament, In fact, these are just in the last few verses of this last book of the Old Testament. Watch what Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now watch what the Bible says right here. It's very interesting. The scriptures tell us that God is going to send this mysterious prophet again. And he would be called to do a mighty work. Look at this right before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. But we know from scriptures that Elijah is in heaven with Moses, right? But who is this mysterious Elijah that God promised that he would send to Israel right before the coming of the Lord? There's another individual. His name was called John the Baptist. This individual shows up after a few hundred years of scriptural silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And watch what the Bible says about this mysterious man. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair, and with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. This individual shows up on the scene, this strange man, he he lives by the simple principle of modesty. He's proclaiming a mighty message to all of Israel. He shows up on the scene at a very interesting time in Israel's history. But watch what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Pay attention to this. Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. Look what he says. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer in their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of who? John the Baptist. That's exactly right. Elijah, the Elijah prophecy, was fulfilled by none other than John the Baptist. And what was the message of John the Baptist? Prepare the way of the Lord. And he did not only preach a message by his words, but by his lifestyle He was communicating another message as well. But there's something interesting that is also said. Watch this. Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Watch what Jesus is saying right here. He is saying that the work of Elijah would be to restore all things. But then he also says, guess what? This was fulfilled by John the Baptist also. But is there another Elijah? And why would we even think there would be another Elijah after John the Baptist? Because of what what the prophecy in Malachi chapter 4 verse 5 says. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet... Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. When Jesus Christ showed up on the scene, was it a great and dreadful day? No, it wasn't. It was not a great and dreadful day. Jesus showed up as a humble shepherd. He shows up in a very quiet manner in a way that didn't draw a lot of attention to him. But we know that prophecy had dual applications. Can you say those words for me? Dual applications. In other words, there would be another fulfillment. Sure enough, John the Baptist was the second Elijah who would show up right before the first coming of Jesus. But what we learn from the prophecy of Malachi is that this same power that would restore the commandments of God would show up right before the second coming of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? And this is what we're all about, trying to understand what the scriptures are saying. Well, we learned yesterday some very interesting things. We learned there's a clarion call given in Revelation 18 to come out of Babylon. To come out of what? Babylon. The word Babylon is, the root word is Babel, which means confusion. So the term is to, the phrase is come out of what? confusion that's exactly right we learn Revelation chapter 18 verse 4 this mighty voice look what the scripture says I heard another voice from heaven saying come out of her my people lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues so where is the majority of God's people in Babylon And what God is doing, he is giving this mighty call and he is saying, it's time for you to come out of error. It's time for you to come out of deception. It's time for you to come out of distortion and come to the truth. Can you say amen to that? And this is very important because Jesus told us that in the end times, there would be worldwide deception. But even more than that, the Bible says in Jeremiah that our hearts are desperately deceitful. The Bible teaches that our hearts are very deceitful. That's why we need to base all our understanding upon the scriptures. Can you say amen to that? And folks, this is where we build our faith, the word of God. Amen? And this is extremely important, especially at these times. We learn from Revelation chapter 17 something about this Babylonian power that on her forehead and name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the what? mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. We discover that this Babylonian power is a mother, and this mother has had several children. We learn that from history, that when the Roman Catholic Church apostatized, God had raised up several different reformers who took the gospel one step further to the truth. And each one of these reformers were building the path To restoration. And with each of their lives that were sacrificed, the truth went one step further. It was restored in one step. And over and over again, God was restoring the truths that were lost during the dark ages. But we discovered that many of these churches that sprung up from the reformers decided that they weren't going to grow they decided that they weren't going to change. They said, this is as far as we go. We're not going any further in the discovery of truth and light. And because of it, sure enough, the Lutheran church was developed. Then you have the Methodist church, the Presbyterian church, and so on and so on. But why does the scriptures teach that she's called the mother of harlots? Because many of these same churches have returned back to Mother Babylon. Many of these same churches have returned back to Babylon. And the very things that these reformers died for was called just a misunderstanding. It was just communication problems. But folks, I want you to understand something. These were the very things that the reformers died for. The truth is something we need to understand. And we need to make sure that we're always growing in our understanding of God's word. Can you say amen to that? Look what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4. The path of the just is like the shining what? Sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. Notice what the scripture is teaching right here. The path of the just is like the shining what? That shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. In other words, as long as you're on the path of the just, with each step closer, what you discover is that the sun gets brighter and brighter and brighter. The world becomes more clear and you begin to understand God's word like never before. Can you say amen to that? But the Bible teaches that the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't even know what makes them stumble. They're staying in the exact same place. They're saying things like, well, this is tradition. We're not going any further. I was born here. I'm not going any more than this. I love my pastor. I'm not doing anything. And what they begin to do is choose their ways over God's ways. But you see, God calls us to grow. Can you say amen to that? He calls us to understand the truth of who he is. You take a good look at the disciples in the beginning with their interaction with Jesus. They thought He was a teacher. But as their understanding grew, they realized He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. But as their understanding grew even more, they realized that He was the Son of God. But even more, they began to realize this was God amongst us. Over and over again, the disciples were led in the understanding of truth. Especially in these end days. A lot of people just excuse themselves from the scripture, saying, Oh, we can't understand this book. God doesn't want us to understand this. My pastor says this. This pastor says that. Who really knows? And that's used oftentimes as an excuse not to follow Bible prophecy. But God wants us to understand His Word. Can you say amen to that? We can never by our own intellect understand God's Word. We can never by our own brains and our own wit understand God's word we need to bring our hearts into humility amen and then when we humble our hearts the Bible teaches he will lift us up and that's why it's very important that when we're studying God's word that we always pray amen otherwise the devil will make it his case to make sure he leads you into wrong interpretations Oftentimes you may be so emotionally overwhelmed by something that all you do is see something in Scripture over and over and over again. You may be somebody who just messed up really bad and you're feeling this condemnation and just you just open up the Scripture. Hopefully something will be there and you discover that God is condemning the Amalekites. And so you flip the page, and there you read you read about how God is destroying the wicked. And then you flip it over, and then you see all sorts of things that are being said, and so you close your Bible. Folks, here's something that's extremely important to understand. Before we come to the Scriptures, we need to lay aside our opinions. Can you say amen to that? We need to humble ourselves, and we need to say, Lord, I can't understand the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit. Because when we're so emotionally overwhelmed, or we're thinking so much in such a way that it's just tradition, or we don't want to give up the things of this world, what we're going to discover is that we're going to see what we want to see, and not what God wants us to see. And folks, the devil will make it his case to make sure he messes you up, as you're studying God's Word. That's why many people today, when they're picking up the Scriptures, they're struggling. That's why many people today will close their Bible, or the only book they ever read in the Bible is the book of Psalms. Folks, God wants you to read the rest of Scripture. Can you say amen to that? And that's why it's extremely important that when you come to the Word of God, you humble your hearts and you say, Lord, I need your understanding like never before. Amen? Amen and step by step God will lead you. We learn some interesting criteria about God's people in the end of time. We learn number 1 that this remnant would look like the early church. It's called the remnant because it looks like the early church. So if God is calling us out of Babylon, He's calling us into the remnant. But what is this remnant? Does God actually have a church He wants me to be a part of? Or is it sort of like the ice cream parlor? I just pick whatever flavor I like that day. No, no, no. I heard one interesting story about one man. He was, he was uh, shipwrecked and he was on an island. And he built his tent. And uh, his little, what you want to call hut, you can say. And, uh, you know, when the, when the people who were the rescue plane was flying overhead and they found him, they found, discovered him and he came out and he's running, here I am, thank you so much for rescuing me. And they said, is there anybody else on the island? And he says, no. And they said, wait a minute, why is there two other tents? And he said, well, this hut I live in, This other hut is the church I went to, and since I gave up that church, I went to the other church, and that's why I (laughs) built this hut. Folks, I want you to understand something. People go from church to church, but all they're looking for is just a church that satisfies them. We need to follow what the Bible is teaching, amen? And when you follow God's word, you're going to find ultimate satisfaction. Can you say amen to that? That's where God wants you to be. God wants you to trust Him, and when you trust Him, He will bless you. So we're looking for a church that's going to look like the early church, where love is the center of the early church, where they built the early church upon the foundation of the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? Folks, this is extremely important that they have to recapture the authentic, unadulterated, and unmingled faith of the disciples. We learn from Scripture, Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. Many times I hear people will say things like, I know my pastor doesn't preach the truth, but I really like him. Folks, you can keep liking your pastor, but God calls you to follow the truth. Can you say amen to that? And if they're not speaking according to the scripture, the Bible makes it very clear it is because there is no light in them. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says something very interesting. It talks about Satan and says, No wonder Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light and his ministers into ministers of righteousness. Folks, we need to make sure we're basing our teachings upon a thus saith the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And so we discover that the early church was built upon the scriptures. Amen? Amen? Number two, we're looking for a church that keeps all the commandments of God. We discovered from Bible prophecy that the devil is angry with the remnant who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Folks, when you look at the world today, you discover that most churches are not keeping the Ten Commandments. Most churches are teaching that the Ten Commandments are done away with or we're no no longer under the law. But what you see from the scriptures is that God's law is immutable and eternal. Amen? And God's law cannot be done away with. It was written in stone. It was inside the ark. Can you say amen to that? And because of it, we need to make sure we're finding a church that follows the word of God and is teaching the Ten Commandments. Amen? It is well to remind the Presbyterians, this is from Catholic literature, it is well to remind the Presbyterians, Baptists, Methodists, and all other Christians that the Bible does not support them anywhere in their observance of Sunday. Sunday is an institution of the Roman Catholic Church. And those who observe the day observe a commandment of the Catholic Church. But do you remember what Jesus said, talking to the Pharisees? In vain they worship me, observing the traditions of men over the what? commandments of God now is there anything wrong with tradition no there's nothing wrong with tradition unless it completely contradicts the scripture and so what was taking place was a complete holiness Sunday was made the holy day it was considered sacred it was solemnized and people were not keeping the seventh day Sabbath the Bible was teaching And so what you see right here, straight from those who were the author of the Sunday change, was just a simple rebuke to all the other churches saying this. Look, if you're going to follow the Bible, you got to keep the seventh day holy. But since you're not, guess who you're following? Us. But folks, who are you following? Are you following man or are you following God? Hopefully it's God. Amen? Amen? We live in a world today where the Ten Commandments or be completely brutalized, where people are saying there's no such thing as the law, yet at the same time you find a contradiction because they want the law. They'll say there's no such thing as the law, but to make sure that there's the Ten Commandments in our school system. And what you're finding is a complete contradiction. Why? Because they don't understand the Ten Commandments. Folks, we are no longer under the law's penalty, but we are under the law's requirement. Amen. The Bible says, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Amen. Jesus taught that we should keep the Ten Commandments. Why do people go on Sunday? We discover that the majority of the church goes on Sunday because in AD 321, Emperor Constantine passed an edict changing the day of worship. He says, look, he told the Jews and the Christians, you can no longer keep Saturday holy. You must now keep the day of the sun holy. And sure enough, the people had to work on Saturday and they had to make sure that the day of of the sun was venerated. That's why they call it Sunday. Monday, the day of the moon. Each day was named after something very interesting. And so what you see, this is the real reason why the majority of Christians go to church. They're following a man-made tradition that stepped on the commandments of God. But folks, can God's word be changed? No. Can God's Ten Commandments be changed? No. Folks, God wants you to follow Him. Amen? God's end time people are going to be like they're going to be the remnant of the early church. They're going to keep all the commandments and they're going to be proclaiming a worldwide message. When we're looking for God's remnant church, his end time movement, we're not just going to Arizona and find a group of Arizonians who are the only ones who are doing this. We're going to be looking for a worldwide movement that is proclaiming a worldwide message. Can you say amen to that? Remember we discovered from Revelation chapter 14 that the gospel will go to every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Can you say amen to that? Now I'm going to show you something very interesting. I want you to take this paper out. Real quick, it should be on everybody's table. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you ASAP. Now to the table leaders, be a brother or sister and help them out. Alright, now everyone should have one of these. Okay. Now, what you see, this is a pamphlet that was put out by the American Bible Society. It was put out by who? The American Bible Society. The American Bible Society is all over the world, and their job is to distribute Bibles all over the world. But what they did one day, they decided to do a survey of churches. And what they discovered was something interesting. They wanted to find out out of all the churches that are Christian churches that are in the world, which one of these churches is taking the gospel to more countries than any other churches. They actually stopped the development of this tract because of all the complaints that took place. But I want you to see something right now. I want you to see something very interesting, okay? Now take this pamphlet out. And take a good look at the top, and what you discover are the list of churches, okay? So you see the top, it is the list of churches, Christian churches that are in the world. Now what you discover right here, to the right side, is a list of countries, okay? A list of countries and a list of churches. And if that particular church is preaching the gospel in that country, there's going to be a dot, okay? There's going to be a dot. This was put out by a non-denominational organization. They have no uh, investments in churches. Their job is simply just to show the facts. And that's why they printed this. Okay? What you begin to discover is that there are a variety of churches that are reaching a variety of countries. However, there is one church out there That is reaching more people in the entire world than any other church, Christian church. Now take a good look right there at the second column and take a good look at the name Adventist Seventh Day. The Seventh Day day Adventist organization, you can see right here, is taking the gospel to more countries in the entire world. And by the way, this has increased so much more including the 1030 window, um, where there was a lot where Christianity was actually outlawed. And so what you discover is that this group of people called the Seventh-day Adventists are actually taking the gospel to more countries in the entire world than any other church, Christian church that's out there. The only other church out there would be the Catholic Church, which don't consider themselves Christian, and the Mormon Church, which are not considered Christian, technically. So what you discover is that there are three movements that are taking the gospel to more people in the world, or their version of the gospel. You have the Catholic Church, which is teaching this version of their gospel. And then you have the Mormons, which are proclaiming the Book of Mormon. And then you have this group called the Seventh-day Adventists. And this group is taking the biblical gospel to the entire world, to, to more countries than any other Christian church. And so what we begin to understand so far is that this group, the Seventh-day Adventists, is actually following all the criteria of the remnant. Can you say amen to that? Number four, we discover that the Jesus has to be the head of this movement. Amen. That Jesus has to be lifted up. His righteousness, His grace, the cross of Calvary has to be number one in this movement. Amen? Why is this very important? Because if Jesus is not the head of this movement, guess what? It's not Jesus' movement. I want to say that one more time. Unless Jesus is the head of this movement, it's not Jesus' movement. Because she's called the bride of Christ. And if she's not following Christ, She's not Christ's bride. Can you say amen to that? And so that's extremely important. So we're identifying that this has got to be a remnant church. It's got to look like the early church. It's got to be built upon the solid word of God. Number two, it's got to keep all the Ten Commandments and teach the Ten Commandments. Number three, it's got to proclaim a worldwide movement, not just in Arizona. Nothing wrong with Arizona, but it's got to go beyond Arizona. It's got to go all over the world. Amen? Amen. And number four, Jesus has got to be the head of this movement. He's got to be lifted up. He's got to be seen as the center and as the goal of worship. Can you say amen to that? And so, folks, this is extremely important because what you find in the world today is that men are being lifted up. What you find in the world today is that theories are being lifted up. But we want Jesus being lifted up. Amen? Because Jesus is the head of this movement. We're also looking for a movement that is proclaiming a complete message that impacts both the mental and the physical. God not only cares about your mind, He cares about your body. Can you say amen to that? When you look at the ministry of Jesus, what you discover is that much of Jesus' ministry consisted of healing and preaching. Amen? Amen healing and preaching and the world is a vast lazar house right now full of the sick it's full of those who are diseased and those who are ill so we're looking for a message that is teaching people not just about the mental but about the physical number six we're looking for a movement that comes after ad 1798 why ad 1798 why does this movement have to show up after that time Because when you study Revelation chapter 12, you discover that it's when this first beast, the Roman Catholic system, is completely stopped dead in its track. And that took place 1798, that this remnant group would show up. That this remnant group that keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus would show up. So here we are, we're looking at every one of these characteristics, folks, but there's one more. The Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, that these are are they that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, and we discover what the testimony of Jesus is. It is the spirit of what? Prophecy. Anytime God does something big, He always sends a prophet. Right before he freed the children of Israel, he sent Moses. Right before he flooded the world, he sent Noah. Right before he let the children of Israel be taken in captivity, he sent Jeremiah. Right before he freed them, he sent Daniel. Right before Jesus came the first time, he sent John the Baptist. The Bible teaches in Amos, anytime God's about to do something big, he always sends a prophet. Can you say amen to that? And if this is truly God's movement, God's movement is going to have the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to all men. Amen? And one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit promises was the gift of prophecy. But Jesus also made a very interesting warning. He warned there would be false prophets as well. In the midst of the genuine legitimate prophetic gift, there would be a whole bunch of false prophets. Why? Because the devil is trying to muddy the waters. Why? Because the devil doesn't want you to realize that there is such a thing as the legitimate gift of prophecy. Can you say amen to that? Anytime God does something spectacular, He always sends a prophet. Therefore, we understand from the pattern of Scripture that this remnant church, this end-time movement actually has to possess a real prophet can you say amen to that folks does this church have a real prophet is there a church that actually has a real bona fide prophet not a prophet that lifts themselves up but lifts up jesus not a prophet that lifts up their teachings but the teachings of the word of god can you say amen to that Over and over again, we discover that part of God's people, there's actually been a legitimate, real, prophetic gift. We discover that this gift was promised to those who keep the Ten Commandments and have the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus was none other than the spirit of prophecy. This entire movement that we're looking for has to keep the Ten Commandments has to be the remnant, has to base their teachings upon Scripture, has to have Jesus at the head and at the center, has to proclaim a complete message, a complete gospel that says, not only go and sin no more, excuse me, not only that says, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more, justification and sanctification, but is there a genuine prophet? Folks, there's an individual by the name of Ellen G. White, The ministry of Ellen G. White, she had the gift of prophecy. Folks, what we discover was something very interesting about this woman, that she received over 2,000 dreams and visions. She wrote over 50 books, lectured to thousands on three different continents, and she died in 1914. Thank you very much. Folks, take a good look at what Paul Harvey says. Paul Harvey was a radio personality who actually died not too long ago, but he was considered one of the most trusted journalists. I was reading this journalist article that was talking about various journalists, and he was actually considered one of the most trusted personalities that were out there. But he died not too long ago, and he spoke about this woman. Look what he says in speaking about Ellen White. Have, women have been honored on American postage stamps for more than 100 years, starting with one woman who was not american Queen Isabella, in 1893. Since then, 86 women have been honored, ranging from Martha Washington to Marilyn Monroe, and also many women. Authors like Louisa May Alka, Emily Dickinson, Willa Cather, Rachel Carson. And he continues, But I can name an American woman, speaking of Ellen White, An American woman author who has never been honored thus, though her writings have been translated into 148 languages, more than Marx or Tolstoy, more than Agatha Christie, more than William Shakespeare, only now is the world coming to appreciate her recommended prescription for optimal spiritual and physical health. Even Paul Harvey, a trusted journalist, realized that there was something special about the writings of Ellen G. White. This woman who lived not too long ago, about 100 years ago, this woman who wrote so many things and had the gift of prophecy... Watch what she says in the book, Great Controversy, a book she wrote. In our time, there is a wide departure from their doctrines and precepts, and there is a need of a return to the great Protestant principle, the Bible, and the Bible only as the rule of faith and duty. Folks, you know what's very interesting about that is that if she was a false prophet, if the devil was behind this, he'd be shooting himself in the foot. Pointing to the scriptures as the rule of faith, he'd be shooting himself in the foot. But what you discover is that this woman lifted up the Bible. She said, Test all things by the scriptures. She pointed to the word of God over and over and over again. She wrote this book called Ministry of Healing. This is almost about 100 years ago. And she says this Tobacco is a slow, insidious, but most malignant poison. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, what's the big deal? We all know that. But back then, about 100 years ago, no one knew that. What they taught was that when someone got sick, they needed to smoke some tobacco. They needed to do some bloodletting. They needed to take opium tablets. But when God gave her a vision and told her that tobacco was a slow, insidious poison, what began to take place, a revolution was sparked. And sure enough, just recently, only the American Cancer Society concluded that smoking was a factor in lung cancer. And by the way, there's been so much conclusive evidence that shows that smoking is connected to lung cancer. But here, this woman, at a time where medicine was saying complete opposite, God gave her a vision and said, no, tobacco is wrong. It is a poison. It's a slow poison that kills. Watch what she says in this book called Testimonies, Volume 7. During the past nights, many things have been opened before me. The manufacture and sale of health foods will require careful and prayerful consideration. There are many minds in many places to whom the Lord will surely give knowledge of how to prepare foods that are healthful and palatable if he sees that they will use this knowledge righteously. Watch then what she says during her time. Animals are becoming more and more diseased and will be discarded by many. Now she said this at a time where animal silence was very simple. There weren't a lot of diseases that were about there that connected animals, the eating of animals to diseases. But here she is saying, in vision, God has revealed that animals will become more and more diseased near the end. And sure enough, what do you have? You have the swine flu. You have the the BSC, the cow one. You have all sorts of bird flu, the avian bird flu. And over and over again, we're just hearing about the next animal that gets sick and then causes humans to get sick. But she said this during her time, which was so remarkable during her time. This is something that was very interesting. And why? Because it shows the fruits. Do you remember what Jesus said about a prophet? He said, by their fruits you shall know them. The Seventh-day Adventist church that regards Ellen White as as a legitimate prophet They follow the writings and teachings that talk about health and watch what National Geographic says. According to National Geographic... Not only are Seventh-day Adventists are among the longest lived, but have the most positive mental and emotional status. There are many claims in the media as to what population is the long, longest lived. Most people still think Japanese individuals hold the record. However, based on the results of the Adventist health study, Californian Seventh-day Adventists live even longer. The longest living people in the entire world are the Seventh-day Adventists. The entire world. Do you remember what Jesus said? By their fruits, you shall know them. Folks, if she was speaking error when, it was, when she was talking about diet, then we would have realized what she was saying is wrong. But many scientists have concluded that what she was saying about health, I actually read one report, 97% of the things she said about health were accurate. Science has proved to be true. The other three are still being researched. But folks, take a good look at that. How could she have known these things during her time? Unless God revealed it. Unless God revealed it. Look at what she says in the book Gospel Workers. Lift up Jesus, you that teach the people. Lift him up in a sermon, in song, in prayer. Let all your powers be directed to pointings of souls, confused, bewildered, lost to the Lamb of God. God. A false prophet is not going to glorify Jesus. A false prophet is not going to lift up Jesus. A false prophet is going to lift themselves up. But here you see in the ministry of Ellen White, when you read her writings, you discover over and over again, she is lifting up Jesus. She is pointing people to the Lamb of God. Can you say amen to that? Here are some of the tests of a true prophet that you find from Scripture. Here's a test, test different criteria about how you determine whether or not a prophet is from the Lord. Number one, their predictions would come to pass. Number one, their predictions would come to pass. If there are individuals that are predicting things that don't come to pass, guess what? They're not from the Lord. Number two, they would glorify God rather than self. They've got to point people to Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Number three, they don't give a private interpretation. Well, the world believes one thing, the scriptures teach another, and I have my own theory on this. No, no, no. They're going to give God's interpretation. Amen? Number four, they're going to point out sin. Number five, they're going to warn of coming judgment. They're going to edify the church. The word edification means to build up. Number uh, six, excuse me, number seven, their message would harmonize with the Bible. If they're teaching things that are contrary to the Scriptures, folks, you've got to realize something. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20, it's because there is no light in them. I remember one day I got the knock at the door, and these two young men, I won't let you know what church they come from, but they were dressed in white, and they had the word elder on their name tag, and they looked like they were 15 years old, though. And so they came to my door, and they began to tell me about a prophet by the name of Joseph Smith. And as they began to tell me about their prophet, I asked them one question. I said, wait a second. Who do you hold in higher regard, the scriptures, oh Joseph Smith, or the writings of Joseph Smith? And they said this to me. We believe that the writings of Joseph Smith, we hold in higher regard as scripture. You can't understand scripture. It needs to be rightly translated. And so what they did, what they were communicating to me was that the writings of Joseph Smith are superior than the scriptures. Folks, anyone who is a legitimate, bona fide, true prophet is going to lift up the scriptures. Can you say amen to that? And when you read the writings of Ellen White, folks, what you begin to discover is that the scriptures are being pointed out over and over again. You know, somebody came to me one day when I was a young Christian, and they said, hey, I'm going to give you a test. And I said, what's the test? They said, study the writings of Ellen G. White and study the scriptures. And I want you to see a difference between those who don't study the writings of Ellen White and study the scriptures alone. You're going to see a difference in your spiritual experience and in your knowledge. And what began to take place as I was studying out her writings and I was studying out the scripture was teaching, I found them to be in complete harmony. But what I began to discover more and more was that my experience with God God, was growing greater. My love for Jesus was growing more intense. And folks, God wants to give you that. Amen? The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they refuse to understand the writings of the prophet because they just want to follow their own ways. Folks, we've got to follow what God has given to us. Can you say amen to that? Another thing is that a genuine prophet is going to have a Christian character. Can you say amen to that? In other words, they're going to be like Christ if there are individuals that are married to multiple wives or there are individuals that are getting killed in bars, that should be a good indication that they're probably not from the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Remember what Jesus said? By their fruits you shall know them. Amen? So we're looking for somebody who's going to actually have a Christian character. And what you discover, even the enemies of Ellen White said that woman is like Jesus. That woman is like Jesus. And the last thing is, they have to be obedient to the will of God. Amen? Somebody who is following the will of God. And what you see here is the criteria of of a true prophet. If they're not matching this criteria, folks, something's wrong. Something is seriously wrong. But God gives us the word of God to help us root out those who are genuine and those who are false. And what you will discover is that 99% of prophets that are out there in the world today are false. But what you discover from the writings of Ellen G. White and her ministry, that she passes every single test with flying colors. And folks, here's the ultimate test. You will never know for a certainty unless you read her writings for yourself. Can you say amen to that? I've had several people who read her books and they'll see the love of Jesus and they'll come to me without even knowing anything about the author. And they say, that woman is inspired. And you want to know something? One of our table leaders has actually volunteered to pay for a book. So everyone's actually going to get a free LNG White book on the way out. Can you say amen to that? God does have a church on earth. He does have a movement. The church will resemble the early church in truth. Number two, they're going to keep and teach all the Ten Commandments. Number three, they're going to have a real prophetic gift. Number four, Jesus is going to be the head and the reason of their faith. Number five, this is extremely important, folks. They've got to proclaim a worldwide message. They've got to not just be in Arizona. They've got to be all over the world. Can you say amen to that? Number six, they would come after A.D. 1798. Number seven, they would have a message that both impacts the spiritual and the physical. Can you say amen to that? And when you take a good look at that, what you begin to discover is that the Seventh-day Adventist church meets all the qualifications of Bible prophecy pointing to the remnant movement. Now you're thinking to yourself, wait a second. How come we didn't know in the beginning this was a Seventh-day Adventist church? Well, all you had to do was just see the big old sign out there in the church that said Seventh-day Adventist. But one of the reasons why this wasn't talked about in the beginning, because we wanted you to see the biblical evidence and make the decision upon the word of God. Can you say amen to that? And you would see very clearly whether or not this church would fit those criteria. The Seventh-day Adventist movement is about 15 million strong all over the world. And seminars just like this, thousands of them are taking place all over the world, even as we speak. Why? Because God is getting a world ready for the second coming. Amen? You find that the Ten Commandments are teached and preached. You learn the biblical truths about the state of the dead, about the sanctuary, about hellfire, about the law, and about the Sabbath. And I've heard many people say... This is the most truth I have learned in the last few days, more than all my years as a Christian. You want to know why that's very important? Because God has brought you here for such a time as this. God has brought you here for such a time as this. Now you may be thinking to yourself, is it possible that God has actually led me to the remnant church of Bible prophecy? It is more than a possibility. It's the truth. Can you say amen to that? It is the truth. In these end times, God has a movement and God is calling you to be part of this spectacular movement that is proclaiming the second return of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? You've seen these biblical truths and they make sense. Each one, you see how clear it is and it's woven throughout scripture. You have seen the truth, how powerful it is. Why? Because it's the truth. And truth is powerful. Amen? God has called you for such a time as this. God has called you for such a time as this. This is a very interesting quote by Catholic literature. You'll love this one. Perhaps the boldest thing, the most revolutionary change the church did, talking about the Roman church, ever did happen in the first century. The holy day, the Sabbath, was changed from Saturday to Sunday, the day of the Lord, was chosen not from any direction in the scriptures, but from the Catholic church sense of its own power people who think that the Scripture should be the sole authority, watch this, should logically become Seventh-day Adventists. Out of the mouth of the beast, you're hearing it, folks. Should logically become Seventh-day Adventists. Look, if you're going to follow the Scriptures, you should be a Seventh-day Adventist. Amen. If you're going to say, well, I'm going to base my faith upon the Scriptures... To logically be a Seventh-day Adventist. If you're actually going to, you're going to go all the way and you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to follow all the teachings of Christ. You should be a Seventh-day Adventist. If you're going to say, you know what? I'm going to believe in the second coming. I'm going to follow God's law. You should be a Seventh-day Adventist. Folks, the evidence is all there in Scripture. Amen. The Protestant... More, this is powerful, quotation too. The Protestant, I appreciate their honesty, the Protestant claiming the Bible to be the only guide of faith has no warrant for observing Sunday. In this matter, the Seventh-day Adventist is the only consistent Protestant. Folks, you're hearing it straight from the individuals who actually changed the law. Hey, if you're going to follow the law, might as well be a Seventh-day Adventist. Folks, God has called you for such a time as this. God, through His providence, has led you for such a time as this. He is bringing you right to the remnant church that is preparing the world for the second coming of Jesus. You see the clear truths that are in Scripture. You see that nothing is concealed. The Word of God is open for every person. Amen? And for this movement, this time, God has called you. You know, one day, September 11th, I woke up. Turned on the TV and I saw something that was horrific. It's a day that many of us have never forgotten. And the video was replaying over and over again when those planes were crashing into the Twin Towers. My sister was in New York that that day. She was going to med school there, and that's why this was even more hitting home. But folks, remember that horrific scene when this was taking place and you saw the explosion. And you see the videos that still replay over and over again. Things that you would never think take place. That America would be hit on its own turf. But we saw it take place in 2011. We saw acts of terrorism that were so evil and heinous. Innocent people that died. Individuals that lost their lives. We saw the death and destruction that occurred. And a nation scarred. A nation changed by what took place on September 11th. We heard about the heroes who rescued several people. We heard about those who lost their lives. One report I was reading about how when some people were running away from the buildings, several of the firefighters and police were running into the smoke, into the fires, And one, one person wrote how they were running away from the building and they were going down, actually they were going down the stairs and as they were going down the stairs of a building that was collapsing they saw a firefighter go up and they looked at that firefighter and just for a second there was a connection and that individual, the author wrote it was like the man knew he wasn't coming back. Folks, we heard about those heroes who lost their lives, those valiant men who risked everything to go help people. Thousands of people who lost their lives. Individuals who valued the life of others over themselves. Valiant men, heroes. These individuals, at a time in an act of terrorism that decimated our our nation, stood up. Folks, when you look at 9-11, the picture's They bring back those memories of those days, of that day when it took place. And you see all the destruction that took place. But in the midst of all that destruction, there was hope. Amen? There was hope. It's very interesting they call this the 9-11 cross because in the midst of the destruction, they found these two beams that resembled a cross still there. In the midst of all this destruction, that, that cross was just there, just bent over. And the individuals that saw it saw a beacon of hope. Amen? They saw a shining light in the midst of all this darkness and confusion. And this was set up, it's called the 9-11 cross. Folks, why are we looking at this? Because I want you to realize something. There was an act of terrorism that completely decimated the Christian world. It took place during the dark ages when truth was lost, when the Bible was taken away and all these false teachings entered into the world. All these. Something powerful took place. Individuals from the military actually begin to construct an unusual boat. It's called the LPD 21. And what they did is they actually took metal that was melted from 9 11 from those buildings and actually constructed the hull made out of that metal. This ship is called the LPD 21 and it fits several specifications of a warship. And as they built this ship, the memory of 9 11 was very clear. And right there on the hull, there is a, a, a giant placard and it says, Never forget. Never forget. The LPD 21 is a very interesting boat. If it it's several levels of specification, of of war, of reconnaissance, and communications. This ship is a powerful warship. I actually know somebody who's on this warship as of today, and this ship is seen as a powerful ship. It has with it the memory of 9-11. And this ship is considered a flagship as well. The LPD-21, made from the hull of the metal of those buildings that were destroyed in 9-11. And so when America looks at this warship, what what do they see? They see a power that reminds them, that reminds them of that day, that reminds them of that day. The LPD-21, made from the hull of 9-11 wreckage, from the memory of those fallen heroes, this ship sails today. And why is that important for us? It's extremely important, folks, because during the Dark Ages, several heroes lost their lives. Several individuals stood up for the truth, And these men began to proclaim the Bible, but each one of them lost their lives during the Dark Ages. Each one of these individuals fell as they were being destroyed by the Roman church. But with each step, the truth came back one step at a time One step at a time. And what was God doing with this truth? He was constructing an end time movement where all the truths would be brought together. Where the memories of the reformers would be brought together and their sacrifices. And with this end time movement, this powerful worship, he was going to complete the gospel message to the entire world. And folks, this worship has a name. It's called the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Folks, for such a time as this, God is calling you to be part of this. God is calling you to be part of his end-time movement. You may have unusual beginnings. You don't even know how you ended up in this seminar. It could be your first time at this seminar. It could be your last time at this seminar. But folks, I want you to understand something. I believe with all my heart God has calling you to be part of his remnant movement. I have not found a church that more closely follows the scripture than the Seventh-day Adventist church. I have not found a church that more widely proclaims the Ten Commandments than the Seventh-day Adventist church. And I believe with all my heart, at these end times, God is taking this worship all over the world, and he wants you to be part of this end time movement. God has called you to be part of this powerful end time movement. Folks, we're going to do something very special. I want you to take out these decision cards. We need to make our decisions as tangible as possible. I want you to take out one of these decision cards because you've got a decision to make tonight. You've got a decision to make tonight. An eternal decision. And if you need a decision card, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you folks, you've got a decision to make tonight. God is calling you. God is calling you for such a time as this. Sabbath morning, I'm going to share my testimony how I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian born and raised in Hinduism and how God took a kid like me He took somebody like me with my background and my weaknesses and He began to show me the truth of the Word of God. And folks, I believe you're going to be blown away. But guess what? Your testimony is being made today. Your testimony is being made today. God is calling you for these times to follow him. In the time of worldwide deception and darkness, God is calling you to take a stand for him and say, Lord, I'm going to stand for your truth like those reformers did. And God will give you the courage. God is calling you to follow him. He told those disciples, follow me. In this end time, when this world is coming to its final conclusion, God is calling you. Number one, I want you to circle that. You say, I want to become a part of God's final end time movement and join the Seventh day Adventist Church. You're saying, I'm convicted. I've seen the Bible truth. You won't find it anywhere else. And you're saying, Lord, I want to be a part of this. I want you to circle that. I want you to circle that. You realize the truths. You want to be part of this end time movement that is preparing the world for the second coming of Jesus, I want you to check that. I want you to mark that and say, I want to be part of that. Number two, you want to be baptized or rebaptized in faith because what Jesus has done for you. You've been blown away by the truths you've been learning and you're saying, Lord, I want to make a decision for God. I want to be baptized. I want to be rebaptized. I believe that the Lord has revived my faith like never before. I want to make a decision to be baptized. I want you to check that. Number three, you got some questions. You like a visit? He said, "I like some clarification." We can do that. We can definitely do that. But today, folks, today God calls you. He said, "If you hear His voice, do not harden your heart, as in the day of provocation, when your fathers tested Me, and though they saw My power, they rejected it." Folks, you see the Word of God clearly. You see how crystal clear it is. Stand for God's Word. Follow God's Word. Be part of what God is doing during these times. Amen? Amen? How people by the raising of their hands say, Lord, that's what I want to do? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for tonight, God. God, we know that Satan wants, us to distra- wants to distract us. We just pray and ask, Lord, that we'd be faithful. Lord, we're blown away by all that you have done for us, that you have led us to this. God, Give us faith now to follow you, to trust you, Lord, to know that we're on the right path. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org